Hi there, everyone. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to spend some time looking at Genesis chapter 13. So you can be finding uh, your Bible and go right to the beginning of the Bible, find Genesis chapter 13. And, uh, and today we're going to be considering a question. Uh, how do we get back on track with God? Uh, if you've been uh, tuning in recently to uh, earlier messages in this series, we've been looking at Abraham and Sarah and how uh, God brought about a new beginning um, in Abraham's life and through his life for others' benefit as well. And Abraham responded to the, the promises of God and God's instructions to him. He obeyed and he went, he began this new adventure with God uh, to a new land. Um, but then we've just seen last time round how he, having kind of set out worshipping God and calling on the Lord, he then just starts to drift really, makes decisions on the basis of his own initiative and his own ideas, uh, ignores God, and it doesn't go so well for him. Uh, so we're going to be considering that question, uh, how do we get back on track um, with, with God? Actually, before I kick off, someone was just asking me the other day, um, about preaching in moments like this. It's like, why do you keep looking to the side? Is it like that someone's coming into the room? So I tell you what, I'm just going to take a little video uh, so that you can see right now, okay, uh, that that's what I'm looking at. There's the camera. That, uh, that, so that's you. And then over here is what I'm looking at, which uh, is my notes, basically, uh, to remind me of, uh, of what to say. So... Um, I thought I'd just let you know. Anyway, uh, so Genesis 13, asking the question, how do we get back on track with God? Now, the obvious answer might be, well, the best thing to do is not to drift in the first place and not to disobey God in the first place. And obviously, uh, that's true. Um, disobedience, ignoring God, will never bring about some lasting blessing in our lives. Now, you might think, well, hang on a minute. We saw last time, um, or we're about to see that... Uh, Although it wasn't the best idea, Abraham and Sarah, they did become quite wealthy living in Egypt. And we'll get to that in, uh, in a bit. Um, but just to say, well, don't go off course in the first place, it doesn't really help those of us who might be thinking, well, the problem is I have. Or in the past, I've gone off course. Or, or even right now, I'm not sure I am where I should be with God. Um, and and Abraham, uh, God knew, well, he knew the best about Abraham, but he also knew the worst. Um, before he chose him. Abraham's not perfect. God knew that. And there is a way back. And so if you're thinking today, oh, maybe I've stuffed it up. Maybe I've drifted away from God. Maybe I've erred. Maybe I've sinned. Well, there is a way back. Stay tuned. We're going to start by looking at uh, the first few verses to see what we learn about how to get back on track uh, with God. Um, so it says this uh, in Genesis chapter 13, uh, reading from verse 1, we're going to cover the whole chapter, but I'm just going to read a few verses at a time. Uh, it says this, So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. So what's going on here? He's, 
He's retracing his steps. It seems like a slightly strange kind of journey in a way. He goes from place to place, but he's going back to somewhere he's been uh, before, somewhere we, we uh, read about in chapter, chapter 12. Um, this place between Bethel and Ai, where Abraham built an altar and he worshipped God. So if you like what he's doing, he's retracing his steps and he's going back to that place. We're not being told necessarily that he was repenting, although in all likelihood, I guess he was. He was acknowledging, I've gone off track and I want to get back. And how does he do that? Well, he goes to that familiar place where he worshipped God uh, before. So for us, if we're asking the question, how do we get back on track with God? Well, it's by, it's by putting God first actually making a change, heading in a better direction. Uh, now for us, or for you, that could be, you know, there is a particular place that you identify with spending time with God. Um, and maybe that's helpful to you. Maybe there's a, a particular practice, a particular book or particular worship music that kind of just helps you come back to God. It helps you spend time uh, with him. You know, when we get together, when I say get together, I mean uh, watch on YouTube at the moment, but hopefully it will happen soon. You know, when we uh, uh, gather to these online meetings, we're, we're breaking bread. Um, and when we gather together here and elsewhere, we'll, we'll be spending time breaking bread. And if you like, that's a, a frequent opportunity to kind of ask ourselves the question before God, am I on track? Is there anything of which I need to repent? Is there anything of which I need to turn away? Um, and we're making that uh, declaration again. We're reminding ourselves, we're giving thanks to God for all that he's done for us. And we're reminding ourselves, Lord, I'm living for you. I don't want anything in my life that doesn't, uh, that wouldn't please you, that doesn't belong in your kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to glorify uh, your name. Uh, and if we're repenting of something, if we're confessing sin, you know, maybe there are new decisions to make, things that you're going to move on from and leave behind and forget about, and 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 things you're going to refresh and do again in terms of drawing near to God. Uh, in worship. Now, if we are uh, putting God first, if you're anything like me, I wonder if we think that it works out in this way. Well, I've, I've, I've put God first. I've made this gesture. I've made this positive step. And now I'm hoping that all those awkward challenges of life disappear because I've put God first. I've made this wonderful uh, decision. And what we, what, what we see in the verses that follow, it, it doesn't quite unfold uh, like that for Abraham. Listen up to verses uh, five to nine. Again, obviously you can follow in the Bible too. It says this, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarrelling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for, for we're brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Uh, so... They encounter this new problem straight away. You know, suddenly you wonder what they were doing, where Abraham and where Lot was when they heard, actually your herdsmen are 
fighting, they're quarrelling, they're having uh, an argument. And, and actually, this, in a way, is a consequence of Abraham's earlier sin, like drifting off to Egypt. We might think, oh, yeah, he became, he became really wealthy. Maybe that was the blessing of God. But now it's creating a problem. They've got too much. They've become so rich in livestock, uh, these quarrels are breaking out because they can't find enough pasture for all the livestock they own um, between them. Now, I wonder how, how might we respond to some kind of problem in life uh, cropping up for us? You know, we've, we've made this fresh start uh, with God. Uh, we're putting worship back at the center uh, of our lives. And then we hit upon something. We think, oh, typical. God, surely this shouldn't be happening. Can't you see I'm trying to make a go of things now again? I've made lots of good choices. Is this some kind of strange punishment? And it's not punishment, but it is a consequence of that earlier decision. Now, we might respond by choosing a social media platform of our choice and, uh, and contacting people that we know love us uh, and care and share the faith. And we say to them, please, would you pray? Uh, because the herdsmen are quarreling. And people get back and people say encouraging things like, oh, I can't believe that's happened to you. After all that you've been through, uh, that must be so hard. I'm praying for you. And other people follow suit. Praying, praying, praying with a little love emoji or with a sad face emoji, something like that. Um, uh, and we don't know if they're praying or not. Uh, maybe they are. Um, or maybe they're thinking to themselves, what's really going on here? What's really at stake? I'm not quite sure, but the, the right thing to do is, is to at least say, I'm, I'm praying. Oh, God. Please, would you help the herdsmen to stop arguing? Would you kind of just take the problem away? Um, and maybe sometimes that's what God does. He, he, he resolves the situation. You can imagine, look, we're family. This shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't be having these fights. But this is about more than just getting them to stop their arguments. This is about what God is doing in Abraham's life. And this is about learning to overcome doubts and temptation. And this is what we're going to have to do. If we want to answer that question again, how do we get back on track with God? We're going to have to overcome our doubts and uh, temptations uh, as well. See me looking at the side. Um, and we might think, yeah, on the surface, the problem is quarreling, but actually dig a little bit deeper. And then there's another issue that's kind of being brought to the surface here, and it's this that Lot is a bit of a tag-along. Now, later in the New Testament, Peter will say, Lot is a righteous guy. Um, so I'm not writing him off. But it's just a little bit of a puzzle why he's with Abraham at all. So you go back to chapter 12, and you hear God say to Abraham, leave, leave your family. Leave your kind of father's household. Leave the place... Uh, where you're living and come to this new land, I will show you. Leave your family, but he decided to take Lot with him, which is kind of it introduces a tension into the whole plot as it unfolds. Uh, and that's what's being brought to the surface. Um, dig a little bit deeper still, and we look actually, the reason Abraham drifted before, because God said, Look, I'm going to show you this new land and I'm going to bless you. But then Abraham can see it's kind of the problem of a famine. This land, it doesn't look like this land is going to support us during a famine. Now they're coming back to the land, back to the place where God has said to be. 
And again, it looks like this promised land is just not enough. It can't sustain. Maybe it taps into some doubts and some fears and some worries. And that can happen to us in life. We can think, yeah, I've, I've heard the promises of God, the wonderful promises that are, are yes and amen in Jesus. And I'm, I'm reading the word and I'm getting hold of God's commands. And if I take hold of God's promises and God's commands, that's what shows me how to live a life in God that flourishes, to know a fullness of life. That's what I'm believing for. That's where, my, that's where I've put my faith. I'm trusting God that this is the best way to live life with the promises and the commands of God. But then we look around us, we look at the circumstances of life, we look at some challenges that we're facing and we think, well, hang on a minute, is it enough? Is this feasible? Does this make sense? Can life work by following God? Does life really flourish if I trust everything that God has said? And so if we come across a challenge, it's tempting to look to kind of go back to Egypt. And that's the temptation that Abraham, I suppose, is facing again. Does he believe God? Or does he do what he did before and separate himself from God? And think, I know best, I'll make my own mind up, I'm going elsewhere. And that's what we can do. When things seem good, we're with God. When we meet a challenge, we drift. And then after a while, we come to our senses. We meet a new challenge, but then we drift again. God's not in the business of punishing us, but he is allowing us to come across the same challenge, potentially, so that we learn to overcome. So we learn to overcome that impulse to doubt him in the first place and the temptation to choose our own path. Uh, rather than separating from God this time, Abraham realizes he's got the wisdom to see he needs to do the thing that seems hard. The thing that seems hard, and it might seem hard to us reading it, is to separate from lots. Let's go our own, let's go our separate ways. Doesn't sound like a, a good and godly thing to do to separate, does it? Certainly not if God has joined them together. Um, like in marriage, you wouldn't say it's good. God would say, oh yeah, that's fine. You just separate if it's not working out. No, God doesn't say that because God has joined two people together. But in this scenario, we might conclude with Abraham and Lot, it's not marriage, obviously. God hasn't ultimately joined them together. That was Abraham's choice to take Lot along. Now Abraham's realizing it's a hard choice, but I think it's the right choice. And so he says to Lot, let's separate. And uh, faith should lead us sometimes to doing things that seem hard, seems awkward. It'd be preferable to do the easy thing, but the easy thing, the obvious thing, the natural thing, could be what leads us to disobey God and drift away from him. Sometimes we're called to do the hard thing. The hard thing might be to stop a relationship before marriage um, because it's taken you away from, from God. Uh, it could be a hard decision to face to, to leave a job because actually it's compromising your integrity. You think, well, I could be wealthier, but it'd be better to earn less money and be doing something else that is not leading me away from, from disobeying God. It could be, you just think socially, you think, you know, as, as we think in those terms again, I think actually being a believer sometimes means I'm making a deliberate choice. The hard thing, the hard choice is I'm going to miss out 
on that social opportunity. But I know what those guys tend to smoke when they get together, and I don't think it's gonna be helpful for me to go in that direction. So you make the hard choice, I'm gonna miss out. And God honors those choices. You might think, well, is it unkind of Abraham to, to have said, okay, let's split. We, this isn't working, uh, let's go our own ways. Was it unkind of him to say that uh, to Lot? Well, in the way that he handles it, you can see his love and concern for Lot is there. He says, look, the whole land is before you, verse nine. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now that he's operating uh, with God first, he is he's generous. He lets Lot choose. Now let's see how that uh, unfolds as we look at the next few verses. Verses 10 to 13. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. We'll pick up that thread on another occasion, but just look here at the choice that Lot makes. In a way, it seems like he makes the obvious and, and sensible decision. Um, we might say it, it looked like he was making a good choice, but there are a few clues here to suggest otherwise, not least the comments about Sodom and Gomorrah, but also this, we can say in one way, it looks like his decision was spiritual. He saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord. He's got his spiritual reason, but it also says like the land of Egypt. Well, that's where they went. That's where they went, but they really shouldn't have, perhaps. But now he's seen what life was like there. Maybe he's lived in the cities and he's, he's seen what the land could produce. That's what made him wealthy. That's what gave him a sense of security. And now he's looking around for something that most looks like Egypt. That's where he's putting his security. That's what he's trusting in. Um, he's, he's kind of trusting in, in just what the, what the world has to, uh, as the world, the world has to offer. So we could say that he's living, he's not living by faith, he's living by sight. He's going by what he sees. This is not about trusting God. This is not about uh, what, what, what God promises or, or a life um, of faith in him. This is about just making decisions from his own wisdom on the basis of what he sees. How do we get back on track with God? Not by following Lot's example in that sense. But as we see with Abraham, it's living by faith. Do you notice how living by sight can look sensible? It can look wise. Actually, living by faith can look daft. Do you think you might take Abraham aside and say, well, why did you let him choose first? You're the man with the promises. You're the man as God has said he's going to give all this land to. Surely you should put yourself first. Don't be such a pushover. But no, Abraham's free. Now he's, in, now he's operating in faith. Now he's, on, he's getting back on track with God. He's, operating, he's thinking a completely different way. 
He's not having to nervously think about what's going to work out best for him. He's free to be generous. He's content with what he, what he has. He can handle living in tents and still being a bit nomadic, going here and there. Why? Because over and above all the many decisions that life involves, he's trusting his whole life in God. He said, God has given me promises and God is going to bring them about. And I'm going to trust God uh, to bring them about. It's put wonderfully in the book of, uh, of Hebrews. Uh, if you turn to Hebrews, I've gone past it. Uh, and the great chapter on faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And we read how Abraham's faith is described in verse 9. So this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Lot was looking at the cities on the plain and thinking that's what's gonna, that's what I'm living for. That's what's gonna offer me security. Oh, it'd be wonderful when I get there. But Abraham's not living like that. He's, he's not looking at what the world has to offer. He's looking to what God has promised. He's got a bigger vision for life that reaches beyond his life. And he says, that's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm believing for. That, that's where I'm putting my hope. I'm not putting my hope on this planet. I'm not putting, uh, I'm not making my aim how wealthy I can become in human terms. I'm believing God and I'm living for him. Are you living by faith? Or are you just nervously working through every decision, thinking that life is controlled by, by your good choices, if you like? No, if you're living for God, if you're putting God first, if you're overcoming those doubts and living by faith, you're, you're living for a bigger vision. You're trusting in someone who's cleverer than you. Are you doing that? Are you walking in Abraham's footsteps? It might mean that other people look at the decisions you're making by faith and think, well, that's just completely daft. Why are they, why are they giving that away? Why are they missing out on that opportunity? But your faith frees you to go on adventures with God. And that can mean, actually, for Lot, getting what he wanted, getting his first choice, Ultimately, it wasn't going to bless him. It didn't bless him. Abraham giving away first choice didn't harm him. God led him and God blessed him. So this is about getting back on track with God. I hope this is uh, strengthening you and encouraging, encouraging you right now. If you know, actually, you need to get back on track with God. You're not in the right place with him. Well, there is a way back. He knows everything about you and he's looking to draw you back into that place of faith and worship and obedience. And before we wrap up from this chapter, you take those steps and he will meet with you afresh. And that's what we see in the final few verses of, the chap of this chapter, verses uh, 14 to 18. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot, had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that 
If anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. So Abraham, Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. You see, right at the beginning of the chapter, Abraham builds an altar to the Lord and calls on the name of the Lord, putting God first. That's how this chapter concludes uh, as well. But can you see here, it's really intriguing. It's almost like God is, is with Abraham and he's watching his progress all the way through this chapter. He's, he's watched all the steps that he's taken. And then at this point, after Abraham and Lot have separated, God speaks to him afresh. Do you know what? Uh, when, when there are times in my life when I realize I need to put God first again, I kind of want God to meet with me like that straight away. Lord, I'm putting you first. Take all the issues, take all the problems away and meet with me in a spectacular encounter. I want to hear you. I want to see you. I want to know you better. And what we do, if we think in those ways, is we cut out all the other stuff in the middle, all the things that have been happening in between, all the fruitful lesson, lessons that Abraham has been learning about putting God first, about overcoming doubts, about living by faith. We just want to cut to the chase. It's a little bit like I heard someone use a phrase a while ago, uh, sugar rush Christianity. There's a kind of way of living the Christian life where we're just chasing after special experiences and spiritual encounters. Now we see here, God encounters Abraham. Abraham does hear him afresh, but it comes a little bit further down the track. And that comes, I think, as actually a more profound encouragement. I encourage you, put God first. By faith, overcome doubts and temptation. Maybe that does involve making some difficult decisions and some difficult choices. But when God sees your faith and God watches your obedience and this new lifestyle of worship, it's like it just, uh, he's just poised, ready and eager to reveal himself to you more. You're, you are going to get to know God better as you choose to trust him, as you choose to obey, as you put that faith into action, you're gonna grow in revelation. You're gonna know him closer. Sometimes that revelation is actually hearing things we've already heard before. Because God knows that's what we're like. We, we need his reminders, those fresh reminders of his promises and of his grace, of his generosity and of his ability to work out the details of our lives when we're scratching our heads. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is generous? Do you believe that he's poised to meet with you? Yeah, we might want to take the shortcut. We just want the sugar rush. We want the buzz of a new encounter. Look, you, you will know God. The Holy Spirit will bring about more revelation in your life. Don't try and short circuit, though, the way in which he chooses to work and the way in which he operates. Think about your part to play. Don't just lean on all your mates and tell them, please pray because I haven't got the time. I'm trying to deal with this crisis that God has landed on me and it's not fair. Okay, by all means, ask your friends to pray. But put God first. Come to him afresh. 
We, we do want it the other way around. Lord, if, you, if I put you first, meet with me in a really powerful way, then I'll trust you. Then I'll overcome my temptations. Then I'll put you first. It doesn't go that way around. Trust God. Give your life to him afresh. Don't wait for another occasion if you know that's what you need to do today.